with news, commentary, controversy, and information about officiating high school sports, this is Officiating Oklahoma. Now here's your host, Jason Cycle. Hey guys, haven't been on in a long time, been doing some other projects. I've got uh, a big project that I've been doing, been working with. Uh, doing some fishing and outdoor stuff and you know that's the the real thing that I like to do you know as as well as the uh, working with the officials and that kind of stuff anyway it's um god what is this I think it's like week three or something in Oklahoma it, it it's weird for me because I had a week zero game and I still don't understand why they call it week zero that's actually a a week that takes place so I had a week zero a week one and a week two and I'm pretty sure this is week three but I'm figuring out more and more just exactly why officials aren't hanging out anymore and in football especially you you can't hear what goes on in, in the in the stands you can't hear the people yelling you don't I mean you don't have any idea what they're saying. They can be yelling, you know, stuff about your mama or whatever you want to say, and you really won't know what's going on. The um, the coaches, though, you can really hear and understand what they're saying, especially if they ask for a timeout and they want to talk to you. And, of course, if they have any timeouts, you're going to give that to them, and you're going to go speak with them as long as they can remain professional about it and you know stay calm and cool through the whole thing and i'm sure as all you guys know when you're having that conference with your coach as soon as he starts you know yelling trying to stand right in front of you raising his hands to draw attention to himself the conversation's over because you know at that point he's lost control of himself so you're better off just walking away but uh you know the the first few games that I've had this year, a lot of the problems I've been having with these coaches is they don't know the rules, and whenever you enforce them properly, and then the crew that was there the week before didn't enforce it properly, man, it makes for you to have a hard night. Um, I had a game, it was, I believe it was week one. It had to have been week one. Uh, a team lines up, they've scored, so they're lining up for their try, well, and I asked them before the game, you have any weird formations or anything like that? Well, they didn't tell us about the swinging gate before the game. So when they come out and lined up, we weren't prepared for it. Didn't talk to my guys before that. So they line up. They've got their linemen out to the left. And there's a guy that's supposed to be, I'm assuming, going to be the snapper. Okay? He stands with his feet parallel to the sideline. His shoulders are parallel to the sideline. He's looking at the sideline, and he's got his right hand on the ball. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, uh, why is he even trying this? He can't. This is illegal. Anyway, ball gets snapped. I kill it, blow my whistle, and all that kind of stuff. The coach goes unglued about it. And I'm sitting here thinking, what is going on? This isn't new. So I go over and explain to him, it's like, Coach, his shoulders have to be approximately parallel to his opponent's goal line, and he has to be facing that goal line. And then he told me, we did it three times last week, and that crew never said anything. Okay, that doesn't help our situation out. 
I explained to the coach, Coach, I'm sorry, but that crew last week, that they got it wrong. I just explained to you how it has to ha- happen. And, of course, he continued yelling and that kind of stuff. Anyway, and I'm going to read it to you directly out of the rule book. Uh, it's in rule two. It's not very far in there. And it talks about the snapper. It says, a snapper is the player who is facing his opponent's goal line. So wherever he just scored at, he has to be facing that goal line with his shoulders approximately parallel thereto and who snaps the ball. Um, it's it's cut and dry. There, that That's it. Well, of course, when he snapped that ball and he wasn't standing like he's supposed to, he's not the snapper, so he cannot snap the ball. So that's why we killed it. Um, you know, he came unglued on that part. Uh, later on in the same game, we had a player – Running play, uh, he's got forward progress. Okay, my headlinesman is blowing his whistle, killing it because he ran into a defender and it stopped his forward progress. He blows his whistle for probably a second, a second and a half. While he's blowing his whistle, walking in, he's got his hand in the air. The defensive player then picks up the offensive player and slams him to the ground. So by the time the whistle was initially blown to the time he slams him, like he's in that WWE wrestling stuff, it's probably two and a half seconds. Now, you can't tell me that he hadn't had opportunity, especially as close proximity the official was to the players. So he slams him to the ground. Everybody in the stadium's yelling about it. They all know, okay, you can't do that. That's late. So he throws a flag. When that flag was thrown on that play, the coach of the of the team that was offended uh, or that had the penalty thrown on him went into orbit. He wanted a timeout. He wanted to come out there, and he started to yell at me. But then I, I shut it down real quick and said, we're not going to do this. And then he did the thing where, you know, you don't allow a coach to ever call you a female sheep. So he looked at me and said, you need to blow your whistle. So then, of course, I obliged him, and I blew my whistle and, uh, you know, then gave an unsportsmanlike conduct. But that's another thing is I don't understand is that's clearly blatant. Everybody in the stadium saw it, and he's out there yelling and screaming at it. He yelled and screamed at us all night. He, um, you know, the, the, the same coach had the problem with, you know, the philosophy with a, uh, a running back that's running down the sideline. If he runs – you know, everybody. when everybody can see the guy is running out of bounds and his shoulders, he's not even facing the opponent's goal line. He's just running out to give himself up. He gets hit at that point. Yeah, you're going to flag that. for. You're going to get somebody with a personal foul because he's obviously giving himself up. You can see it. There's no no whistle should be a uh, a deciding factor in that. He knows he's giving himself up. Now, if you've got a player that – is trying to advance and gain yard and he's running parallel to the sideline and steps out and doesn't even know it and then the whistle's blown and then he makes contact with the defender ahead no you give the defense a reasonable doubt he's you can understand in a game and if you've played and you've heard the whistle blown um sometimes you don't hear it when you're playing so if he's running parallel to the sideline, just barely steps out of bounds, and then after that he takes a step and then gets hit by a defender and he tackles him right there, 
No, we're not going to call that. We're going to give that defender the benefit of the bout of the blah, benefit of the doubt. He wasn't trying to do anything malicious. He thought the play was still going on, so we're going to give him that. Uh, let's see. My next one. Uh, oh, here we go. We had a play last week. The uh, coach for the visiting team wanted a timeout, and he wanted to talk to me. He comes out and asks me his question, and the first thing I said was, I, I go, well, coach, don't you remember at the state meeting when they – and before I could finish, the coach goes, I didn't go to the state meeting. Okay, here's what I don't understand. If it's a requirement for an official to go to the state meetings to officiate and playoffs and all that kind of stuff, why didn't a coach have to? So everything I was talking to this coach about, he had no idea because he hadn't gone to a state meeting. So that also lets you know, okay, if this guy is not willing to put forth the effort just to drive and show up at something, he definitely is not going to open the book. Um, we had another play, the same coach. He's yelling and screaming at me. Quarterback drops back to pass. He's under pressure. He throws it, and the ball, it didn't cross the line of scrimmage or something. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he throws the pass, and it hits a – lineman uh in his chest and right next to the lineman was an eligible receiver well he's screaming at me about illegal touching and it's like no we're not calling that and you know and this is the thing that uh secondary schools put out and i'm glad they're finally doing this because when you talk to people about philosophies of officiating they look at you like they don't know what you're talking about, and that's because they, you know, it, they don't know. But um, anyway, there was this pass thrown. He's under pressure. The lineman had no intentions whatsoever to try and catch that pass, and there was an eligible receiver right next to him. Okay, one of our officiating philosophies is, um, and it says – a team A lineman, team A, you know, is the offense. An offensive lineman, in this philosophy when that happens, did not make an attempt to catch the ball. So we're going to assume that he's not making an attempt to catch that pass, and it just happened by accident. So, you know, and it's I can understand that if the kid puts his hands up, goes to catch it, and then runs downfield, or he goes to catch it and he misses it, that's totally different. But when the ball's thrown and it just hits him, no. Our philosophy say you let that go. So we're not going to be flagging that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, that's going to be my, uh, I guess you can say, my my spill for the week. But, you know, that's some of the problems that we've had is that uh, coaches are unsure and they're asking us questions about stuff that is really simple, very basic, and it lets you know that they haven't opened the book. So, you know, that's going to – be my whole thing is you know they've talked about in the past how they're wanting to dumb down the rules for the coaches to help them understand no it's the same thing we still need to educate the coaches and bring them to the level that they need to be um, to officiate football you got to go through training you have to take rules tests you go to clinics you educate yourself on the game to become a football coach at the high school level all you have to do is go to college, and in college they don't have a degree for football coaching. You are a teacher. Well, 
they don't learn anything about the aspect of the actual game, the real game, and how it's played. So we need to bring them up to our level. They need we need to educate them. We need to continue to educate them, and then the the less problems we'll have, then we can retain these other officials because you're not putting up with guys that are uh, basically ignorant to the game and how it's played. Anyway, I'm uh, that's it for this week. I'll uh, holler at you guys. Oh, next week, week after. I've got a game tonight. We're going down south for uh, a game. Should be a good one. It's gonna be a rival. Anyway, my uh, crew that I've got, it's uh, basically three new officials and one guy that's been doing it for seven, eight, nine years. And uh, they're shocking me. They're doing very well, and I look forward to every week. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening. You guys uh, have a great weekend, weekday, whatever day this went out. Thanks for listening to Officiating Oklahoma, hosted by 20-year veteran sports official Jason Seichel. Please visit our website at officiatingok.com and be sure to join us soon for another episode of Officiating Oklahoma.